0: Testing, testing. Can you hear me?
1: Hold on, yeah, hold on. I can hear you. We're...
0: Beautiful. Are we there?
1: Guy, so great to have you. Thanks for having me on, dude. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it.
0: Bro, it's so it's it's an honor to have you. Um before we get going. And I, before I forget, can I shout out my sponsor to this podcast? H- have you heard of Tama tea? No. Yeah, Tama tea is a all-natural sparkling tea with mate from the South America region. The water is sourced from Louisiana, an area of the country. I don't know if you've been, but it's beautiful down there in the South. And the... Uh, tea comes from india so it's a it's an amazing drink and we do these podcasts super early in the morning and you know a good mate really lifts you up so tama tea thank you so much it's 4 30 a.m on uh november 23rd 2023 it's thanksgiving in america happy thanksgiving to everyone out there guy happy thanksgiving to you
1: happy thanksgiving i need to get one of them here i've got a little peppermint tea but that thomas tea sounds pretty good oh bro it's sparkling it's uh very very refreshing
0: on these on these early uh grateful mornings but let's get going guy will mint yeah that's pretty good
1: pretty good (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) it, it is episode 25 of speaking from water i have the honor and privilege to be speaking with guy will meant and he has uh, the 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 list of world travels this dude has been on is absolutely epic and he just got back from america on a on a tour where people were just throwing him roses giving him parades for the new movie kamchaka that just came out with his boy spencer frost who we had the pleasure of interviewing two weeks ago so this is part two of of uh of that interview with his his good mate and guy it's a pleasure to have you uh how are you today
1: what an intro thanks for that mate um really good going really good it's it's 8 30 at night here so i've had a big day good day um but yeah life's good we got back from the states two days ago me and my girlfriend which was um we had the most incredible trip we had the coast film festival um, down at laguna beach just south of LA. It was my first time going to California. So it was really cool to check that out. We had an awesome time. They put us up at the ranch there, which was like five star accommodation. Um, and then I flew to Florida and showed the film at the Florida Surf Film Fest, which was incredible. Probably one of my favorite film festivals I've been to, I think. Just a, such an epic surf community there and so like welcoming. And yeah, it was it was really cool to meet the, the community and crew there. So And then we went up to yosemite actually for the week and i was just blown away man you've got some amazing places and people and landscapes in your country so we had a an absolute ball it was amazing yeah dude
0: i saw your your images that you shot out there just spectacular i i really encourage everyone to check out guy's page uh i mean what what was your favorite part of the yosemite trip
1: oh I think just seeing like, i would never been there. Um, I've dreamed of going there since I was a kid for many years. So to have the opportunity to go there um, was really special. I think coming around the corner just the first time and seeing the valley, seeing El Cap and Half Dome, it was just like, um, I was literally speechless. Like me and my girlfriend in the car and I talk a lot and we came around that corner and I just like stared. I think I said, oh my God. And then was just silent for the next few minutes. So yeah, it was just like in awe of nature. I think that's why a lot of, you know, that's why I started shooting, to be honest, because I love being out in nature. And that was definitely one of those, like, take me back moments to why I picked up a camera. Like, you see a a place like that or a landscape and you just go, wow, like, this is so beautiful. And I guess, like, yeah, naturally for me, it's been shooting those landscapes. So that was definitely a special moment seeing that for the first time.
0: Yeah, your your pics were just out of this world. What kind of water
1: did you see there? Water, lots of waterfalls. Um, yeah, thankfully they were still flowing. I think usually this time of year, there's not much, um, water coming down the valley, but I think they had a huge, um, huge winter, a lot of snow last year. So there was quite a bit of water coming off the mountains, which is, it's just spectacular. You know, you've got El Cap there, which is a thousand meters of granite just from top to bottom. And then you've got these waterfalls coming down into this beautiful valley. And yeah, it was incredible. It was autumn time too. So all the leaves were orange. It was just, yeah, it was picturesque.
0: I saw you uh, scaling some cliff faces. How was that?
1: Yeah, we did a few hikes. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I'm actually planning my buddy, Justin, who's a really good climber. Um, he climbed El Cap a few years ago and he he told me that like, you've got to go to the base of it where the climbers um, start up. So we went there on the first day, met another climber called Justin, actually. And we, we had a bunch of mutual friends, um, which was really cool. And then, yeah, we're planning on heading back in April to do a few climbs around the park and take a few uh, epic routes off. So I'm excited to head back.
0: I'm, I'm interested to know your perspective on the contrast between the East and the West Coast from your visit.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually get to explore much of Florida, unfortunately. Um yeah, I was there for pretty much 20, maybe 30 hours. Um, The last night I didn't sleep. I got on a plane at 6am. So I show the film. Then we went to a local pub, which was really fun. And then I got to the airport at 4am in the morning and flew back to Cali. So I was pretty short, um, but I'd love to explore more. I was actually listening to a podcast about the Everglades yesterday in Florida. And I was just like, what a crazy place. (laughs) It was about the pythons and the gators and the deer and the bears. So, I can't believe how much wildlife they've got over there. It's insane. Yeah, um, Flo- Florida has a lot of contrasting elements to you guys,
0: with the with the alligators and just the the rawness of the uh, topography, with the even the even the snakes, which are foreign to, to Florida, but are just taken over the place. Uh, on that note, what what's your what was your macro perspective on America? Because America is is so similar to Australia yet so different in so many ways what were kind of like the glaring similarities and um, differences from your perspective
1: I think just like definitely the people I meet it's like very much the same surf culture like it brings communities together just our love for the ocean and surf so I I, you know I love being a part of that Um, the landscape's pretty different I think like we don't have anything like the mountains that you guys do so to see that it's it's really cool because we don't get to experience that a lot um surf wise i didn't even get a surf in unfortunately um because there, there wasn't much happening florida side we went and checked the waves one day but it was like one foot non-shore which i think what they're kind of used to that side unfortunately um but that was really cool and i guess yeah like i was saying the people we met some amazing people and, and like i mentioned before i just felt so welcomed there it's quite um it can be quite like intimidating when you're traveling solo and going to these film festivals. And, you know, even though you've got a film playing, you don't know anyone there. So it's like, it can be a little bit daunting, but just got super in, welcome to their community, which was really cool. And just felt super safe. And we went into a few of the local surf shops in town and they were just like the biggest froppers. And it was really cool to meet everyone.
0: Well, you, you come as a walking legend. Uh, your movie Kamchaka Kim- <laughs> is out of this world, and we're gonna get we're gonna get to all that here in a little bit. But I wanna I wanna kind of uh, go back to the beginning with you. What 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 got you in love with the ocean and the water, and what kind of where are you, where are you coming from? What are your roots?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a place called Avalon Beach, which is uh, about an hour and a half north of Sydney. Um, it's a really beautiful area. There's a lots of um kind of big headlands, small beaches. We get really fun waves. Um, so, I was fortunate enough to grow up there about, you know, 30-second walk to the beach. Um, grew up in an apartment block, like, on the headland. So, there's, like, a clifftop here, and they have got some buildings there. And then, yeah, it's about, like I said, 30-second walk to the beach. So, really lucky to have that as my my backyard. And I think we all started, like, bodyboarding when we were kids, and then we transitioned to surfing. And, yeah, it's always been just a huge part of my life. I was actually, like, I was terrified of the ocean until I was about 13 my brother used to always kind of force me out into the surf. I remember the first time he took us out the local reef, I just started crying because I was so scared to be able to be above the reef. Um, And then I think like 13, maybe 14 years old, like a few of my mates from school were right into surfing. So we kind of had this little surf crew and that was including Spenny. Um, He was a year below me at school, but we grew up in the same area. Um, And then since there, we just started doing surf trips together and we'd bring a camera and we'd shoot each other on the way. So that was kind of, How like the surf adventure, surf trip started going happening. We'd um, I had a van. Um, once I finished school, and we'd just load up the van. There was a bed in the back, and we'd drive down the coast like four or five hours, and then just camp out every weekend chasing waves. So that was kind of um, our upbringing. Incredible. Where where down
0: the coast were you? Uh, were you traveling that got kind of got you that that feeling? I'm I'm interested to know.
1: Yeah there's there's a place called Ulladulla, which is about 4 hours south of Sydney and there's some some incredible waves down there um you know amazing beach breaks and there's some really heavy slabs too um which was amazing i think like we were travelling in so many of these incredible waves and i think naturally as we started to we were still surfing a lot but we also had a Cairns I think Spenny and I were so into like capturing these these places and these trips that we were doing. Um, so it kind of evolved from us being in the water to us being, I guess, documenting those trips. Um, and from there we were like, you know, what can we do next that's, you know, not four hours from Sydney. It's like look at the globe and say, you know, where else can we travel and do, you know, like make little clips online and then just have these amazing experiences together and chase waves
0: on these early trips were you shooting from the water or were you kind of doing your uh your activities of surfing in the water then shooting from land how, how, how did you go about it in the in the beginning
1: growing up we were um we'd take turns like filming each other like one of you would be out in the water surfing and the other one would be on the land on on the tripod just filming um in the early days and then I actually like didn't Photography till, I guess, like, till I was about 25. It was more just for, like, a hobby thing. And Spenny, um, he got more into, like, the the filming side of things. And he was getting quite a lot of work in the filming filming world. He bought, I think he bought a RED camera when he was, like, early 20s, which was a huge investment and a, and a big call. Like, that was a lot of money for a young kid. Um, and then he started getting some jobs. And I was, like, doing my university degree at the time. And I, I wasn't really roughing on it. And then Spenny kind of like, do you want to come assist me on a few jobs and help out and see if you like it? And I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, and I did that. And then I went traveling for a bit, um, and borrowed my sister's uh, little photo camera, and then just got really into taking photos. Um, and I got home from, I did a trip to North America and Canada actually, um, for three months, just solo. And I remember I got home from that trip and I got messaged on Instagram, um just saying hey like i love this photo you took and just posted i'd love to buy it off you and i was like sick like someone wants to buy a print off me and it was the first time i'd actually like um i guess made money from doing something i love because i was just kind of doing odd jobs like i was at uni and i was just laboring for bricklayers and and gardening so from there because spenny kind of introduced me to that the commercial side of that world and i was like once I, i think i made like 200 bucks from this print i was like you know, stuff that I'm going to try to be a photographer now. So that was kind of, it as a kid, it went from like a hobby, just shooting your mates surfing and then didn't do it for a few years. And Spenny did it. And he kind of introduced me back and inspired me to, you know, chase, chase that dream of a, becoming a photographer.
0: What, what was the print of?
1: Um, It was of mountains in, in Banff. Yeah. Cool. The mountains in Banff up in, yeah, I bought a car and, um montana like a little honda like a civic or something it was just like a four-door like and i had like a little bed in the back wedged between the seats that went into the boot and i just did yeah um three-month road trip by myself around montana wyoming um alberta and british columbia which was incredible but, yeah that was the first time i really kind of focused on documenting like a trip properly um, and I just loved it. And it was, it was cool being by myself because it was a way of me sharing what I was getting up to with my friends online. And it was never meant to be like, I want to sell these prints. But I guess once I got that message, that was kind of like a little, you know, flat, like a little spark went off in me to go, Hey, maybe I kind of want to do chase this and, you know, do more of these adventures and try and make some money from it.
0: What what season was that?
1: It was in um the end of winter coming into spring. So I think I flew there in end of Feb and then did Feb, March, April, and then a bit of May. Was that your first taste of cold? I'd done New Zealand before. Um, I'd done New Zealand twice, actually. I, l- I absolutely love it over there. Um, so I'd done like a few shorter trips, like two-week trips, actually chasing waves and and hiking and going up into the mountains. So that was definitely like an early spark of, you know, mixing surf and mountains. Um, as you get, like, you can see in Kamchaka, we've we've kind of tried to balance the two. I think it's just aesthetically being in an environment like that where you've got these huge mountains with snow on them and then there's waves. It's, like, pretty picturesque. Um, so New Zealand was, like, the early stages of, the, of that. And then I wasn't even surfing in, in Montana or in Canada when I did that trip. That was more just, like, a mountain world. But I think it's, like, two of my biggest... Um, I guess loves the ocean and mountains. So those trips that we've been doing over the last few be- few years have been like combining the two and Spenny's the same. We both love snowboarding. We both love being in the mountains and snow. And then obviously growing up by the beach, you know, we try to combine those, those two worlds.
0: So you, you feel this, uh, this love of, of photography. You, you see the business route and you and Spencer are, um, are now going to branch out of uh, Australia and go to the tropics. Is that kind of where your next stop was?
1: Yeah, I think we did. Um, we've done Indo a bunch of times together. We've never made like a project in Indo. That's more of been like um, fun trips. I think like definitely us growing up, like we got so like, I think Chris Burkhardt and Ben Wyland were our two kind of early inspirations, like seeing what they were doing um they were kind of going to these like far far out places like really cold environments and, and trying to find waves that had never been surfed before and i think when we were growing up looking at that we were like wow like that's the dream you know so we yeah. kind of always like we want to do that we want to we want to be part of that and you know find new ways one day with our best mates and um i think there was oh, what was it called cradle of the storms you remember seeing that i have in the illusion no. islands
0: no i haven't i need to oh, check it out a up.
1: watch it was incredible. But I remember they discovered this, like, it's an amazing landscape. It's in between, like, Alaska and Russia, this island chain that runs along there. So it's cold water, amazing landscape. And they found, like, this perfect right-hand wave that no one had ever surfed before. And it's just pumping. And I remember we watched that and we were like, we want to do that. We want to go find waves like that in, like, these wild places. So that was kind of our, I guess, our early inspiration to, to chasing those trips. And away from the tropics where it's so busy, I think it's, like, You know, you get amazing waves in Indo, but, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of people and it's busy. I think being in nature when there's no one around, there's something pretty special about it.
0: I I find that so interesting because here I'm on the East Coast. Um, Like an Indo trip to someone around here is like the Holy Grail. And and I think it has something to do with like (laughs) proximity of distance. Like it's really not very far to get to iceland from here so everyone's like ah but like <laughs> if, if you're if you're going to indo you're like whoa dude you're going to indo and um yeah and you're saying that it's super crowded i've never been to indo it's like one of those bucket trips but like you're like oh it's in my backyard i've been there a bunch of times um but i <laughs> I, I I personally am a little more interested in that aspect of um of, of the globe at, at this you know in, in this moment in this conversation could you could you kind of hone more in on that and like like, what are, what are, like, the best things about Indo and the worst things, real quick?
1: Oh, best things. I absolutely love it there, just just for the record. It's one of my favorite places. Me and my girlfriend, actually, we just spent two months there um, earlier this year. Um, I guess, like, your dollar would be so good there. Like, you guys could do it so cheap. Like, it is really cheap. Like, it's good for Aussie dollar going there, but your dollar, like, our dollar is pretty bad compared to you. So, you could do it really cheap. Amazing culture. I think the culture in, in Bali in particular is really incredible. Like, you meet some amazing people. And then, of course, the waves. Like, it's definitely getting more crowded. Um, I had a few mates that were there during COVID that lived there. um, And obviously, the world shut down. So, one of my best mates, Dan, he was surfing Uluwatu, you know, with four or five guys out pumping and getting padang too. So, that would have been pretty incredible, but... Yeah, there's so many good waves um, on all the different islands too. I went over to G-Land this year for the first time um, with Ace Bucken, surfer, ex-tour surfer, absolute legend. Um, it was my first time going there and he hadn't been in a while. So to get to go to a, like, such an iconic wave with such you know incredible surf history and culture, that was incredible seeing that for the first time too. Um, Desert Point also. Are you goofy or natural?
0: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm naturally,
1: am natural, yes. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm, I can I'm sure I can ride both I ride. go both ways. <laughs> I can go both ways. I'm I'm, I'm good both ways. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah I'm goofy. So and H was goofy too, so we were kinda hunting the less, but um yeah, Uluwatu is it's an incredible place. I love it there. You got Desert Point, G Land, there's so many I haven't actually done the um the Ments, the Mentors, um, like a boat trip there. Spenny's done a couple of them now and he's like, We've gotta do one. It's just like you and your mates, best waves, best times. Um, you're catching fish, drinking beers, getting barreled. Like it's that's that's a bit of a dream for most surfers, right there. So yeah, hundred percent. That's definitely on the cards.
0: What, what 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 is your favorite spot? Maybe most memorable wave over there.
1: Um, like this wave. Oh, I don't want. To... <laughs> okay, it's around yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, don't don't uh, dox it. Don't dox it. <laughs>
1: yeah like maybe, I, de- maybe um,
0: describe the aesthetics of it for us
1: like a, it's a fun way like i don't really so sur- if it's big i'm usually shooting so when it's like four foot and under i usually get a board out um but it's like a it's like a easy kind of roll in that doubles up and then you can kind of stall and it just like runs and tubes for maybe five to eight seconds and then it's kind of like a closed out doggy door and because it's more of like a leggy takeoff um it, uh, there's a lot of like, I guess, beginner surfers in Bali. So if you go to these waves that are a little more, I guess, tricky for learners, it's a lot less crowded. Um, so this is one of those waves. Um, so it's definitely less crowded and it has some amazing, amazing tubes on its day. And it's a bit more rogue. Like you've got to get lucky to get a good one. Like it's not just like consistently perfect. So it kind of splits the crowd a little But I'll DM you. <laughs> yeah d- yeah, offline <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> hey so how do you gauge um i guess emotionally what ch- you choose to do um you know the, uh, the conflict of shooting versus surfing what what how, how does that um go down in your mind
1: it really depends on my mood to be honest um i love shooting just as much as i love surfing if not more um for me it's like I love being out in the surf, whether I'm swimming or surfing. Like, I, but I, I don't really enjoy shooting land that much, to be honest. Um, for me, it's more being out in the water. So, like I just mentioned, I don't really surf big waves that much. So, if it's below four foot and looks super fun, then I'll, I'll probably surf. Um, if I'm with like a crew, like I generally shoot with Letty and Fraser a lot. They're our kind of two guys from back home that you saw in the film. Um, if they're like frothing a shoot and I'm frothing a shoot, then. I'll take the camera out for sure and we'll have a swim and try to get creative. If it's really nice light, I really like shooting and that stuff. Um, depends too. Like, I feel like over the last year, I actually got super burned out after the Kamchatka project, just creatively. I'm sure I feel like every creative goes through that at some point in their career. They just get a bit burnt out, maybe shooting the same thing or spending a lot of time on the computer. And for me, it just kind of, I lost that, I guess I lost that kind of, Passion of why I started shooting when I was younger. um So Bali this year was actually the first time I picked up a camera for myself, not for like a job or the project in like maybe a year, and I just fell in love with shooting all over again, um, which was awesome. Because yeah, I did feel pretty burnt out after the the Russia trip and then the the post production for about ten months. Um, so it was really cool to get some some love back for shooting and just being in nature and being in the waves. So. Yeah, the last few months have definitely been shooting more than I'm surfing. But I just bought one of those new um, Channel Islands G-skates. Have you seen those boards? I have not. Tell me about it. It's it's like a super fun, like, I got like a 5, 9, it's like a 2 plus 1 kind of 20 setup. Um, it's kind of like, I like foam. Foam's my friend. I'm not like a high-performance guy. I'm more of a, a cruiser. <laughs> but I just bought one of those new boards and it's... um. Yeah, it's definitely ignited my froth to surf again. So <laughs> it's been super fun. Sick,
0: sick. Uh, I I want to kind of go back to that um, rejuvenation process in your mind when you when you took the break and then you went back and and rekindled your creative spirit. Did you find yourself uh, looking at the water differently and kind of saying uh, in, in your in your creative mind, "Oh, I, I did, I've never seen that before. Let me let me go there. Tell me, kind of." Uh, maybe new things that you discovered?
1: Oh, it's a great question. I actually did like massively. Like it was, I was blown away by how my mind was working, I guess. Like i was seeing light differently and seeing different perspectives. Um, yeah, it was hard to explain, but it's, it's amazing that you could pick up. I'm sure you've probably had the same maybe then. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it was yeah. really, yeah, it was it was really cool actually. Looking back now, I haven't actually thought about that. Um, much, but I remember looking at some of the shots I was taking, and I was like, oh, i haven't shot this kind of way before or edited colors this type of way before um and I think you know what it's like you're shooting and then a lot of the time you're spending on the computer um and then post production from that russia trip, the Kamchaka project was like, yeah, it was just it was a, it, it turned into like a three year project pretty much, and I think we were all pretty burnt out by the end, um like we made the book and the film and we were obviously doing commercial jobs to make money during that post-production process, but I don't think Spenny and I, or I picked up a camera for, for ourselves to shoot um, anything just out of passion for, you know, close to a year. So yeah, going back to Bali was, it was definitely me trying to be like, you know, do I still love this? Do I still have the passion to shoot this? Is this what I want to do? Um, and I 100% did. And it was I think, yeah, biggest thing for me was like seeing details in waves and light and I was using different lenses, um, shooting a bit tighter and a bit like higher on the wave. Like if we were shooting a slab, I was trying to like reach my arm up super high and have this like look down perspective where in the past I'd usually kind of just be sitting in the barrel. Um, I think to that trip, I wasn't shooting for anyone or a brand in particular. So you can become a bit more creative. Like if you're on a two day shoot, on a surf shoot, I'm, I genuinely feel like I want to tick some boxes and, and like, know those safe shots where you're like, okay, I can get this particular image and I know they'll be happy with it. I'm not going to get super fruity and try to go, like, full artsy. Um, whereas on that trip, I wasn't shooting for anyone or, or a brand. It was just for me. So it was, like, shooting the way I wanted to, um, which was – it was amazing. I'm I'm really, like, stoked I got to do that trip and, you know, take some time out from, you know, other stuff going on in life and just focus on – recharging mentally and creatively.
0: Now, what is a a safe lens setup where you can check check some boxes and then what's more of like a um, artsy creative lens setup for you in the water? I'm interested to know uh, the two different spectrums there.
1: Yeah, so I guess like if I was on a commercial shoot, like a surf shoot, I'd be shooting land if it was like high performance surfing for a bit, just to tick off some boxes. Um, just because in the water obviously it's you know what it's like it's it's pretty it, it can be hard to get shots some days you're in flow and you just like can't take a bad photo the surf is in front of you the light's good and then other days you know you've got water droplets on your lens the auto is wigged out just you know the list goes on with with housing issues of what can go wrong um but yeah and then I guess I will usually go in the water with like a a 24 to 70 on the shoot, um, just with like a zoom gear. So I can zoom in and out. Um, And that's kind of covers most bases when you're shooting water. I think like if I was shooting arts, you'd be trying like some slow shutter stuff. It'd be like sitting, you know, behind them looking into the wave rather than just kind of sitting at the end of the wave and them getting a turn or an air that's like a safe, safe shot that I'd usually go to. Um, but yeah, and I guess it's like playing with light too. Like sometimes I really like shooting in morning light and sunset light, just because it's you know the golden hour. So I've been doing like putting some like like can- do you use candle wax on your port to Mm-mm, for the ah, spit spit yeah other good tricks so I I use wax um candle wax on the flat port and then on the dome I use the spit um. And then just like, you can put a few little dots on your, if you're shooting into the sun, you know, when you get those like crystal kind of gold flares and then it's like, so I'll put like some dots of the candle wax on for the water to stick. And that'll, if you're shooting into the sun, that'll create those nice, like, I guess, I think they're like octagons kind of shape of the light. Um, So just playing around with that stuff. Sometimes it can go horribly wrong, you know, when there's yeah. way too much of to them and you can't see the surface. So I guess just like yeah, if I'm feeling artsy, and I feel like I've got enough for the client or whoever you're shooting for to be happy. Then you can get a bit more creative and you know try the slow shot of stuff. And but yeah, sometimes it doesn't always pay off. So it's good to have like a few in, you know, a few good to go before you get a bit fruity.
0: Epic. Let's take it back to the history here. So you and and Spencer are, um, you have this Iceland idea and and you go to iceland and that and that really kicks off uh your your all's uh a career do, do i have this right like that trip made made you internationally famous um from the movie that you produced post post trip going into that trip did you have a plan to do that or did that kind of happen organically out of that situation and and idea
1: yeah i think um it definitely we had a plan but I mean, I just started shooting, to be honest. Like, I would maybe had a camera in my hand for a year and a half or two years. So I was, like, still learning a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Um, Spenny had been doing it for a bit longer. So we, we did a bit of planning and we had, like, a, a book going into that trip. And we reached out to a lot of people that had been there before um, just on where to go and what the conditions are like and where we want to be if the, the wind's a certain way and the tides. Um, I think, like, we would both, like, it'd be cool to make a book and a movie from that but it wasn't like like we didn't have sponsors or anything it was completely self-funded it was it was definitely a passion project and was just like let's see what we can get and have an epic time um and we had an amazing trip i think we were there for six weeks and we did iceland scotland and then a little bit of time in ireland um and we got really really fun ways and i think that definitely sparked us to want to do more of those trips um and Spenny, Spenny did an amazing job of putting the film together on that one and went to a few film festivals and people really enjoyed it. So that was more of like an incentive to go, hey, where do we want to go next? Because I think, have you done much cold water surfing?
0: No, it, it gets pretty cold here. I mean, not not like that cold, but 52 Fahrenheit. You know, we're, we're in hoods and gloves and booties. So and I, yeah. I'm, my home beach is uh, Ocean City, Maryland, which is kind of north of here. And that gets in like the low 40s. But, um, to answer your question, I haven't been in the ice like yourself. so i'm mm. I'm blown away by the the photos and the videos that I've seen from you guys because it's like that water is so cold. I, I don't know how you can function, move, swim. And and really, what what interests me the most here is your ability to swim and take photos in this environment because that is so difficult. And added to that is the intensity of these waves. So I, I kind of want to go go there right now. You're you're in Iceland. You haven't been shooting very long, and this water is is um, you know new to you. You're from Australia. Photography is new to you. Uh, the the waves are are heavy um how how did you did you get your mind to a place where you're like all right I'm going in the water I'm shooting
1: um I'm doing I'm doing this now I think it was um yeah looking at it sometimes it doesn't make sense but we were just like so excited to be there like it was um it was a dream come true for us so I think when you've got that much excitement like there was never a moment where it's like oh, I don't want to put this wedding in weddy on and get in the water it was like get this weddy on let's get out there like we we're always just like so excited to be there and i think you know when you've got like these giant mountains and everything's covered in snow around you and you've got you know w- like relatively warm gear um you are ex- like just ecstatic to be there and in- and in awe of that environment so yeah we were just like stoked to shoot and capture it because we'd never seen anything like that and like i said before like we grew up watching Burkhard and Bede Wildens film, just getting like so psyched on these adventures. So for us to actually, you know, be there and be doing, you know, like realizing that dream, it was like, I wouldn't say easy, but it's like you've got your goal of what you're trying to capture or achieve. So it's like, um, I guess it was just like we were internally motivated to be there. Um, but yeah, when you're in the water, it's it's really hard. Um like there was a particular day in Iceland I don't know how cold it was but it'd be it's below 0 I'm not good with the fahrenheit conversion but um, really cold <laughs> and my hands got to a point in the surf where I like they went so numb that I couldn't pull the trigger on the camera anymore and I remember Fraser did this like big carve in front of me and I like went to click and I couldn't click <laughs> and I was like fuck like <laughs> this is so hectic um you just go a bit like insane in your head. Um, that was th- there was one moment in Iceland that was really hard. It was in it was in the first movie, and I got out and I'm just like shaking. Um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but I think we always wanted to. We want to be there. It's not like you're being forced to be there. Um, yeah, that that first year we were definitely like punting it. Like we were just like a couple young guys from Avalon just having a crack, which is cool to look back on you know
0: yeah yeah just pure stoke Uh, it's it's a real beautiful story uh the i want to uh, touch on the water there in iceland there's such a contrast between the hot and the cold can you tell us a little little bit about the hot water you found i i assume you found some hot springs
1: we did i can't even remember if um i don't even think we went to a hot spring we actually tried one day and we got stuck in a blizzard driving um yeah i don't think we went to hot springs, but yeah we got stuck in a blizzard and there was a car crash off the side of the road and we were all kind of freaking it um so we just turned around we we're on like the top of this mountain pass it was actually terrifying none of us had driven in like winter conditions before um and a friend the guy that owns a wetsuit company here is um zion they'd done a few trips to iceland so he told us about this epic hot spring that's right on the coast no one goes there so we're all super pumped and then there yeah, we got caught in this blizzard we <laughs> I don't think we were sliding off the road but it was like you couldn't see you know a few meters in front of you um so we uh pulled over for about half an hour on the side of the road and then decided to turn around so unfortunately no hot springs <laughs> it's just just all cold water you you were focused on the waves
0: good 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 idea uh exactly so, yeah yeah so let's um let's let's take it to the uh the, to, to, to excuse me <clears throat> Kamchatka when, when did the Kamchaka concept come into your mind? Cause like, I saw the, the, the cover to this, to, to the movie. And I mean, my head exploded, the helicopter, the, the, the snow, and I'm expecting to see snowboards, but I see surfboards and the whole, the whole thing was just like not computing. And, uh, which makes it, just so beautiful. So, how how did you guys? Um, what what was the seed that gave this situation um, birth?
1: Yeah, I think it was um, like after the Iceland trip and after showing the film, um, we were all like pretty pumped on. You know, where should we go next? And we'd looked at Alaska, Norway. We'd looked at Kamchatka before, but um, so Tom Curran and Ted. Up in the late '90s, I think, and then um, Burkhard, Ben Weiland, and I think Malloy brothers. Um, probably missing some people here, but they went up in I think 2009 or 10, um, and it looked like an amazing place. But they went in summer, and the waves were pretty small. Like it looked kind of like an amazing trip, but not like wow, those waves are pumping. Um, and then we were kind of looking on the on the map. It was when COVID happened, so we had all this time at home to kind of plan the next trip, and we were looking at the Earth and just being like, "Where's good? You know, where has possibilities?" And then we're actually watching Travis Rice's um, snowboard film, The Fourth Phase. Have you seen that? Uh, no,
0: I have not. I I, sh- I need to.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's incredible film, um, and they actually go to Kamchatka in this film, and there's a section they're snowboarding there, and there's a section where um, they actually go surfing. Like they've got surfboards there and they go to this wave. um, And then they're, they're not the best surfers. Like they go surfing and it's sick and they're fropping, but you can tell like there's actually like six foot swell in the water with offshore winds. Like it, like pretty pumping. And the sections, I don't know, it's only like 30 seconds in the movie. But after seeing that, we were like, Oh my God, there's actually waves there. Like legit waves. So we started looking on like Google earth um, and seeing like, scouting out kind of different locations on the Kanchukka coastline that could be could like could be good um, and then we went over we got like the exact day that they filmed that surf section in the movie um, and then looked at weather maps because we got in touch with the local crew and the guys that were like helping them out on the trip and then we kind of started looking at the the swells that they get and probably in like January to March they get like two kind of pretty solid um, swells that have offshore winds. So we were like, wow, like, and I'm talking like five meter swells with offshore winds. So like heaps of swell to get into all these little bays and inlets. So we reached out to um, Spenny sent Anton a message, one of the local surfers there that we like found on Instagram and just said, Hey, we're thinking of coming to Kamchaka. Um, We'd love to be able to be showed around if you wanted to be a guide and be involved in this film project that we want to do. And he was just, frothing is the absolute biggest legend ever, Anton is. And then we just said, you know, we want to explore the coastline and try to find waves that have never been surfed before. Like, do you think there's potential? And he was like, oh man, there's like an unlimited amount of potential here. You know, it's, it's crazy. No one's explored the coastline in winter when they do get swell. Um, He said, the only issue is you're going to need a helicopter to explore because there's a thousand kilometers or about 700 miles or something of coastline that's kind of inaccessible in the winter and never been explored. So he was like, you're gonna need um, helicopters. So he put us in touch with Max, who owns a heli boarding lodge up there. Um, and we reached out to him and told him, you know, what our idea was. And he said, it sounds incredible. We'd love to help out. Um, you know, Here's a rough estimate of, estimate of how much it's gonna cost. And we got that back and we're like, oh my God, this is gonna be <laughs> extremely expensive which was kind of a bit of like a dream killer at the time because it was like, how about like, we don't have that much money. Um, and then we were kind of like, let's, you know, Spenny's very good at like getting shit done. So he's like, let's just try and make it happen. Um, so we put together like a, a 30 kind of page slideshow, like a director's treatment Um, that we spent like a few months putting together and then started pitching it to different companies to try and see if they'd want to be involved and throw some money at it. Got a lot of rejections, a lot of no's. And then we got a few yeses from some, from some awesome companies that, you know, believed in the project and threw a bit of money and product at it. And then from there it was just like, let's, let's make this happen.
0: Kids listening. These guys are the, the, the true artist entrepreneurs because like you're, you're, you just said it. You're not, you're not millionaires. You're not self-funding this trip. You have a dream. You put together the package and then you went out and you sold that package to the brands that had the the, the money. And it, it reminds me of um, what tech entrepreneurs do in Silicon Valley, only like way cooler. And, and it, it's such an inspirational story. And I, cause none of this would have happened if you guys didn't get the funding. Cause I mean, it it costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars. I assume to, to make all that happen. And you came out with a product in the end that, that is just nuts and incredible that we all know about now today, but no, you didn't know what you were going to find, but you had this, this fire in your heart that, that said to you, Hey, this is going to happen because there is no guarantee that waves were going to, that you're going to even hit waves. like, how how did that part feel in, in yourself when you were selling this? Like, I don't truly know that it's going to happen, but I have faith. Like, where does that come from? Oh.
1: Oh, it was, you know what? That was actually terrifying. Like, it was really scary because all we had to go off was this, you know, minute long clip in this snowboard film. And then we, you know, we did look back over the last 10 years of the weather maps in the area, like as far back as we could. And we're looking at what the storms were doing and looking at what the winds were doing. And like I said before, like it looked on average about every, every year there were two big swells that had clean winds. So that's kind of what we were going off. Um, but yeah, it was really like it, pretty intimidating and scary. Like in these companies, you're asking for a certain amount of money and you're trying to be super positive and like charismatic, but like in the back of your head, you're like, we could get fully skunked and get nothing which is really scary because like, like, and we it was we kind of were like promised them, you know, super fun beaches and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, our goal is to find waves that have never been surfed before. But it was, all, it was like a little bit of realism, being realistic in it. But we also were trying to like, you know, sell this dream to them that they, they've got to be a part of this project and it's going to be amazing. And in the back of your head, you're like, oh my God, this could go really south quickly if we don't get waves can you tell us
0: um before you get to the good who told you uh like hard no and i guess you don't have to um say their names but like what what did that feel like when they were like nah because like handling rejection is a is a big part of life and like say a little bit about that and doing doing that
1: yeah it's um extremely scary when you i feel like every everyone has self-doubt a few lucky people on the earth don't but it's a it's i have so much self-doubt you know um i think working as a team um has been huge for me and like being able to believe in i guess this project like being part of a team you don't have as much fear because you're bouncing off each other's positivity and like you know what if they reject us like that that's their fuck up you know they're going to look back and want to be a part of it so it's kind of like this more positivity bouncing off each other. But when you buy yourself, it's a lot easier to kind of neg out and be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Um, So that's a big help for me personally. Um, We always believed in the project. So it was, it is hard saying no. No one was like, that's a stupid idea. Um, It was just like, hey, we don't have the funding. Um, It's the polite way of saying no. Like we don't have the funding to help, sounds cool. We had a lot of them. we, yeah i'm sure people behind our back said these guys are the biggest <laughs> just blind optimism that's what we like to say um but yeah there was a few companies that said said no or you know good luck um we, we just can't be involved but then we also had you know project blank who were our main sponsor a wetsuit company from australia they were just like so frothing on the idea which was awesome because they they were our main tier sponsor so they put in like a you know, a solid amount of money to get this over the line. So once we had them on board, it was like pretty, um, I don't know. It was like pretty inspiring to be like, oh, we can actually get this thing happening. And then that kind of motiv- motivated us more to reach out to these other companies. And So, yeah, we had Project Blank. Shout out to them. They were, gear was amazing and their support from day one has been incredible. Um, then we had FCS. Their team's just, they're sick. They're just kind of just like, here's... You know, here's what you need. Here's all the gear you need, and we support whatever you guys want to do. Um, like creative freedom. I think that's a big thing for us on these projects. Is you know being able to go in and do what we want to do, not having to do it for a a brand their way. Um, because we probably wouldn't do it then. We like doing it our way and just kind of going going with the flow and see what happens and see what comes, rather than going in with like a set story for a for a certain product. Um, Rusty, Helly Hansen. Misfit surfboards. Oh, I'm gonna forget someone here. Fishbowl, Canon Red. Everyone, you know, helped out a bit. GoPro. I've definitely forgotten someone. <laughs> but well, yeah,
0: that that says a lot about those sponsors that they um, uh, are nourishing the artistic freedom and the artistic choice because uh, it's it's not art unless the artist can make a decision. And if if they're making the the decision, it's not much art. But they're they seem like uh, amazing companies to have um, given you given you the the ability to to produce what you guys did. Uh, Spencer said something about a guy uh, from a big sponsor who came up to him at the end of one of the the first premieres and was like, "Man, I I really messed up and and should have been on on board." And I I thought that was that was really cool. <laughs>
1: But yeah, you know. we've had a few actually. Like a few people just be like, damn it. Which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Like and like for for the next one we do, it's cool to be able to show um you know what we've created now. And yeah, there's definitely a few people kicking them myself, I think.
0: Oh bro, now which now, makes now, us feel good. <laughs> now now you're gonna be able to like write your own ticket, like where where <laughs> the, the next thing you all do is gonna be absolutely mind blowing. I can't wait. But um, let, let's go back to those moments when things weren't so secured. You, uh, th- th- this is another key part to the trip before you even get the Kamchatka that blows my mind. You know, you get through COVID, you plan this thing in COVID, and COVID was so uncertain for everybody. No one knew what was what was going to happen. You know, we're all locked up, but you guys are thinking about leaving, and you make this package. You get the package together. You're on your way to Moscow, and that's when Putin invades Crimea in the very the very day i mean how how bizarre and crazy is that so you're you're from your perspective how how is that situation
1: yeah it was it was pretty hectic it was really hectic to be honest i think spenny myself and luke our producer had spent i don't know close to you know eight months to a year planning this thing and I think, you know, the last six months, it was every single day we were planning this trip. Um, visas was a nightmare, getting our visas into the country. Um, that was nearly a four-month process. We got denied tourist visa. Then the business visas got taken down because of another wave of COVID. And then we got a humanitarian visa, thanks to the guys in Kamchaka. They kind of helped us out there. But we didn't get that visa till four days before we were meant to leave. So we'd already dropped a lot of money on like insurances, camera gear, plane tickets, um, without even knowing whether we were, we were actually going to go. So when we got the visa, we we're all just like, holy shit, like this is actually happening. Um, and then about two days before we were meant to go, it was like, I guess it started circulating on the news that Russia had started to put troops on the border. But I guess... I guess from COVID, there was a lot of distrust in the media and not kind of like a certainty of what to believe. There was a lot of fear and hype on certain things. So we kind of just didn't brush it aside, but just like didn't think it was going to equate to anything. Um, and then, yeah, we landed in Abu Dhabi, got off the plane, went to this little Irish pub to get a beer or breakfast or something. And about an hour before the flight, um was to leave to Moscow, like all the TVs in the airport just started saying, you know, there's um, bombs going off in in Ukraine and Russia had started attacking. And we were like, holy shit, like we're flying, in, we're meant to be flying into Moscow in an hour um, or boarding a, fl- boarding a plane to go to Moscow in an hour. So it was just like, it was, it was just felt so surreal. And so it felt so much bigger than us, obviously, because we're just like, you know, four surfers going to make a surf film. And you, what you're saying on the news was pretty, you know, horrific. But at the time, it was just like, do we, it, it was like an ethical decision, I guess. It was like, it felt weird going into Russia to make a surf movie when they were invading Ukraine. Like, it just felt wrong. Um, looking back, it was like, we didn't realize the severity of it all at the time. And um, we decided as a group and we spoke to our, our families and Luke, our producer back in Sydney, And then got in touch with the team in Chakra and just said, you know, what do you guys think we should do? Um, Most people said, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. Push on. Um, A few of our parents thought that was like the worst idea ever. And it was come home now. This is stupid. Um, It was definitely like, definitely a hard day. I'm really glad we pushed on because we had, you know, such an incredible trip and made incredible friends. But those moments were pretty difficult. Like Fraser's parents didn't want us to go. And then, you know, the four of us were just like, we need to make a decision just between us, you know, and we, we were all in. So we got on the plane and we sat on the plane for five hours on the tarmac um, without knowing what was going on because we got on the plane and then we just sat there for like 20 minutes and then 30 minutes and then an hour. And then I went and spoke to the hostess and just said, what's going on? And she just said, look, the situation's, you know, worsening by the second. We're not sure if we can fly into Moscow. Um, which was quite like scary because we didn't have internet at the time. So we didn't know what was going on. We'd seen like, you know, a few minutes of snippets on the news. And then we ended up here yeah, waiting for five hours on the tarmac. And then eventually the captain said, you know, we found a safe route. We're flying really far East and then coming back into Moscow. Um, that flight was pretty scary just because we didn't realize, you know, what was going on. The hostess had said five, like, jet planes have been shot down near the border of Russia and Ukraine. So it was just like, we we're just pretty, pretty nervous and pretty scared. And then we got told once we landed dude, that we actually had two um, Russian jets escort us over the border. Like they were under our commercial plane coming in, which was like, you know, pretty wild, but that's happening. I think we were on the last flights into Moscow during that time. So thankfully we we got off that plane, we got on, got to Kamchaka, the, Slept in Moscow the night and then got on a plane to Kinshaka the next day. And then once we were there, we felt pretty safe. Like you're very far away from that situation was that was happening. It was about a 10-hour domestic flight. So we were, we were far away from it all. But yeah, it was definitely a really hectic um, two days of travel. And just like, yeah, I guess the decision whether you go or not was definitely like heavy on us all.
0: Did that situation change your perspective on... I guess geopolitics in any way you're uh, the, the concept of nationalism. Cause here, here you are in Australia. And Australia has as a nation, its own democratic values, but you're in now Russia and Russia of course has its history of you know, not democratic values, but you're with people and people are people wherever you go. We all have the same wants and desires. What, how, how do you kind of, um, what are your now contemporary thoughts on, on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's difficult. I don't want to speak on, I don't want to get too political, but I'll say like the people we met in Russia were, they were just like you and me, you know, the guys we were hanging with Anton, his mates, Max, they loved snowboarding. They loved surfing. They were, um, you know, embarrassed with what was going on. They, you know, they were, very shameful in what their country was doing there they, they were opposed to what was happening um Anton I know Anton had a few mates that were protesting in Moscow at the time they got put in jail for a few weeks just for protesting um it was really like yeah they were they were definitely feeling it again we were in like such a small bubble that like of people you know that love nature whereas I, we can't speak on behalf of all of Russia because we just didn't experience that. We're in like a very small bubble in Kempchaka. Um, But yeah, everyone we met was really amazing. Um, made us feel super safe. Max kind of took us aside a few times and just said, you know, how are you guys feeling being here with the situation? Like, um, just so you know, like, we're not going to let anything bad happen to you guys. Because there was a few stories of, you know, American journalists getting taken captive, I guess. Um, so there was just like a lot of like, a lot of fear, like a lot of it was probably, you want to say irrational, but at the time it wasn't, it was like, that was our reality of what if we get stuck here? You know, what if someone finds out where here and because Australia were obviously opposed to what was happening. so It was just, um, yeah, it was difficult circumstances for sure, but we felt super safe with Max and Anton.
0: Isn't it incredible how, how water people, people of, of, that love the ocean across the globe are very similar and, and um, there's a spirit about it. What, how, how did, what do you think about that?
1: 100%. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable. That was the main thing we took from that whole trip. It was like, it was so cool. I think we say it at the end of the film, but it's amazing how something like surfing, like literally like some, something as simple as surfing could bring us all together when there was like absolute chaos going on around us, you know? And we were like, "Yeah, there was kids there from Kamchaka, like ten-year-old. Well, there's probably five-year-old surfers up to fifteen-year-olds that just love surfing. We're all connected. They couldn't speak a word of English, but we'd go surfing together, and everyone's just frothing out. You'd have a coffee or a tea after, and some some cookies, and you would just be smiling and talking about the surf, and everyone's kind of shivering and freezing. But it it really does bring you together, and it kind of like it's so much bigger than." you know, the other politics that were going on at the time, it was just like, you're a human, I'm a human. We both love surfing, We both love being out in nature. And that was kind of our, our common thing we had going. And yeah, it was, it's really cool to kind of n- not look at anything else, but just that, because it is so important, you know, like I think for a lot of people, the ocean has changed so many lives. I know it has, you know, for both of us. So, And to experience that in a place like Kamchatka where it's minus 20 outside, freezing, pretty bad like surfing conditions a lot of the time and they're just like frothing so you definitely like connect from that
0: well that is the mission of this very podcast is to bring the 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 wetness and light that comes onto the water to those who might not know about it so if you're out there listening and you don't know much about the ocean uh please engage it engage water and um you will find the stoke also but let's let's go back to that flight into Kamchatka for the first time um you made it through the 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 gauntlet that was at the immigration you you had, even when you got to russia you almost didn't get yeah. in. and and that that was nuts and then then you eventually make it through immigration after they tell you that you uh have to go home which is which blows my mind and and you get on the next flight the next morning you're flying into kamchatka what 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 was that visual like
1: yeah that was mind-blowing that was i was actually i wasn't sitting with the boys they were like a few rows in front probably like 10 rows in front and i was by myself actually next to these two russian girl and a russian guy i was in the middle seat and again like couldn't they couldn't speak a word of english but we were both looking out the window and there was like these big volcanoes and we were both just like smiling at each other and he ended up high-fiving me at one point just because we were both like so fropping out on on the landscape um But I think we'd been traveling for like already, you know, 50 or 60 hours up to this point. So once we actually landed and got to the ground, it was just like, oh my God, we've made it. And Anton and Max were waiting for us at the airport and we're all just so tired, like just exhausted, like obviously buzzing on adrenaline to be there. But you know when you're just like so tired, like super jet lag. And then Anton was like, the waves are really good. Like let's go surfing. So straight away, off the plane, we drove to the beach. It's about an hour drive, like drove to Anton's like surf camp that he's got going on. Um, and the waves were like two to three foot, it was no cloud in the sky, and it was just perfect condition. So it just felt like it had been such a big roller coaster to get to that point. And then it felt like once we saw the waves and how incredible the day was, it was just like it felt like you know, the universe had just given you a hug and said, Hey, well done. That was a journey getting here. Enjoy the fruits of of surfing in Kemchaka. so that was like we're all just like yelling and screaming and so pumped
0: epic and what was that that first get in the wetsuit get in the in the water how did that feel that first 10 minutes in that cold water What, what was it bring us there
1: it was um Spenny and I actually shot land that session um that first session the boys um obviously went surfing letty fraser and anton and they had an absolute ball they came in for a break and spenny and i because we were feeling so jet lagged we got in our undies and went and dove in the water and it was like so cold like <laughs> it felt like your brain was going to explode like i think it was it was minus 16 that day celsius i'm not good with the conversion but it's like so cold like like freezing and then the water's um I think like 34 Fahrenheit, like one above freezing. Um, so it's really cold. And I remember that feeling of just going, oh my God, <laughs> like we have to go and swim out here with the camera and shoot the boys. Because when you're floating, you know what it's like, you get a lot colder because you're not moving your muscles. So yeah. that was a reality check. That was it, like, it felt colder than Iceland. Like it was just like, oh. it's like that. that few degrees colder, but when it's that cold, it makes a big difference.
0: For all those ice bath bros how, how many minutes did you stay in that water for that time like literally yeah.
1: like four seconds like it was <laughs> like one dark and it was like a.
0: oh it's so sick <laughs> yeah.
1: we'd been doing a lot of ice baths before for practice so we were doing like three to five minutes um we're trying to do them like every single day just to like prepare for the cold but once you're there you're like oh my god <laughs> like i don't think it helps
0: <laughs> dude so th- there was there's a particular story that that just blew my mind from the trip uh, like so many but this one really stuck out and it it was the one where you fly into that slab and um there there's not a lot of time um i believe before you need to get out of the water and are you familiar with the story i'm i'm going for here i uh, think so yeah it, okay let, let me just kind of set it up real quick like what what blew my mind the most is one you're swimming in this insanely cold water that we just described. The, the waves are so crucial. Like the, the pick the videos were just hardcore and the you're so far away from any sort of like hospitals in any, any civilization. And, and you're like, all right, I'm going out there and I'm going to shoot this. Um, how, how was that? Like the, the the pre situation. And I want to go back to your mental state. Like what, what, what are you doing to yourself in your mind to say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming. I'm confident. Um, I'm doing this. Like bring us there.
1: Yeah. I think um like, I, like we've already touched on the, the whole basis of this trip was to try and, you know, discover waves that had never been surfed before. So that particular day, there was, there was a big swell coming in on the forecast and um, the weather had cleared for a moment and the helicopters were on call. So they'd flown in, they'd picked us up from the, um, the heliboarding base camp and then we were flying down the coastline and pretty much just looking out the door of this helicopter in the window, trying to see if there was any surfable waves anywhere. And Fraser spotted this, like, like you saw, like this pretty psycho left hand, like really heavy wave below us. Um, and we're all like, Oh my God, it's spitting. Like we actually have discovered a wave here. So we're all like pretty hyped and jacked on adrenaline. And we landed the helicopter on the beach. We all got out. We got the drone up, blew it out. It was about, um, it was nearly a mile out to sea. So it was, it was far, like really far. Um, And it looked pretty pumping, like big and really heavy, but like pretty pumping, like way better than anything we could have expected to find in far east you know russia Kamchatka. so we're all like oh my god we need to give this a crack um because i guess there was in my head like like i mentioned before i love being part of the ocean experience and shooting in the water for me it's like i don't take photos just to like capture moments it's it's that experience that comes with taking that photo for me too so i love being part of the action and and in that moment, and, you know, it's more storytelling. And so for me, it was, I want to be shooting in the water. Like it's going to be incredible to be out there and shoot this wave. Um, I guess the the difficult thing there is it's the swim out there, like how far it is, um, how cold it is, and how long can you actually swim in that water? Like, are you even going to make it out the back before you freeze? So Anton, who was with us, he had his 10-foot longboard in the helicopter. And he was like, why don't you take that out and then shoot off the channel? So I was like, that's that's a good idea. Um, I put my 70 to 200 lens in, so I could, you know, sit quite wide. Um, even getting out of the shore break was like pretty gnarly. It was like a six to six foot plus shore break on like these pebbly rocks, and it was just like this big surge. Um, so Anton and I went out together, and Fraser and Letty were a bit ahead of us, but it took took us like a good you know 10 to 15 minutes even to get past the shore break just because i had a 10 foot log i've got the big water housing anton was trying to help me eventually we we made it through that um it was probably a 25 minute paddle out like it was really far out to sea um and that at that point i was like oh i'm so glad i've got the longboard because this would be like a pretty hard swim um made it out the back straight away fraser had got this Pretty crazy one, like the first wave ever caught at this place, and he's dropped in into like a six foot slab and just got like spat out into the channel. So we're all just like screaming and hooting and hollering and just going. It just felt surreal to be honest. Like you've got these huge snowy mountains, and just knowing that no one's ever surfed surfed here before, it was a really cool feeling. And then I guess Letty got another wave, and then probably I don't know twenty minutes through or something. This huge, huge set kind of started peeking up like it was you know easy 10 foot and the first one you see it in the movie it's the first wave in that section and it's just like this heavy slab and it's it's massive and there's so much water dropping drawing off the reef. And you see at the end, only at like for like a split second in that clip you just see me on the long board with the camera like paddling in the corner. And I think it was the wave after that um, closed out kind of the bay and where I thought was a safe spot to be shooting and it landed right in front of me. Um, And I just got smoked. And when the water's that cold, like for all you guys that are ice bath, like it's like getting dunked in an ice bath and then having like no escape, like and you're nearly a mile out to sea with a 10 foot log attached to your leg and trying not to lose your housing. So I got swept in, you know, a few hundred meters and there was like this kind of rocky outcrop because the headland was kind of like like that. There was rocks here and then the wave was further out here. Um, So I got swept into these rocks And just like your breath gets taken away every time a wave hit you because it's so cold. And at one point, my leggy got wrapped around like a boulder underwater and I couldn't get off that. I wasn't underwater, but I couldn't move. Um, And because your mitts, you got seven mil mitts on, I couldn't get my mitt through the the Velcro on my leash, my leggy to rip it off. And just with the pressure of the boards, I was like pretty panicking. And my body was just kind of already starting to shut down just because you're so cold. And exhausted and just like i was scared too i was really scared and then eventually i got kind of swept out into this next channel probably been like you know a good 15 or 20 minutes going through this like rocky outcrop getting smoke getting washed onto the rocks try not to lose my camera i don't actually know what happened but my leash had come off my camera um so if i dropped that it was gone so i was trying really hard just to hold it and i couldn't get rid of this freaking longboard (laughs) which is just such a pain and eventually made it back into the channel and I was just trying to take some, you know, deep breaths just to try to calm myself down because for all you guys that shoot in the water, I'm sure we've all had those, those moments where you've kind of, you know, you've got to stay calm. Like you've got a huge set on the head. And yeah, I've done a lot of breath work and stuff like that for, to be ready for those moments. But I was kind of getting beyond that. It was like, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm in a safe spot anymore. Um, so I paddle back out to the guys and I was just exhausted. I was, I was so cooked at this point. And then Letty and Fred were probably like 10 meters away from me. And they were like, are you okay? Like, what, what the fuck just happened? And I kind of just gave a thumbs up because I was just, I didn't want to make a scene or like a big deal about like that. I was struggling, but I was like, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I'll, I'll be right. And then another part of the story, there was a storm coming in later that day. So the pilots had said before we went out, as soon as you see the, red, the flare go off, you need to come in because that means we've got to go because of the weather, because the helis can't fly in, in, you know, obviously any bad weather. So we saw the flare go I was like literally like as I made it out for the boys and I was so tired and the water, it was um, getting low tide. So there was this huge current like dragging us back out the sea. So we started paddling and I, um I just like, couldn't beat this current. I had the, I was trying to balance like, you know, the seventy two hundred the camera housing on front of the longboard, and I was paddling and because our weddies were so um sealed i had like a lot of water coming in and flush me during the the wipeout and i had like water stuck in my arms and in my legs and in my booty so every paddle was just like so exhausting and i was like i think i was crying at this point already let it in fraser already like 100 or 200 meters ahead of me and i was like i don't think i can get in right now like my body was just shutting down i was getting super dizzy and exhausted and i was cramping And then Leddy's like, what are you fucking doing? Like yelling at me because he didn't know I was struggling so much. And then he paddled back out and he's like, what are you doing, dude? And then he could just see like tears coming down. He's like, oh shit, are you all right? He gave me a hug. He's like, I've got you, I've got you. And then he like, I don't know how long it took, but eventually we made it to the shore. And that's when you see in the film, like Spenny's got the camera and I just like had a breakdown. I was just like so relieved to be in, but also just like, so rattled about what had just happened. Like it was pretty, it was definitely the gnarliest like ocean experience I've ever had. Like where it was like, I don't know if this is gonna be okay. And just knowing you're like so far from help there. Like a lot of the other times when I'm shooting big waves, there's usually jet skis in the lineup and you are with a team and, you know, people are generally looking after the photographers if it's like really heavy waves or it's there, it just felt so isolated and cold. And there was no like way out, I guess. So yeah, that was a really hectic, hectic experience. And even looking back, I'm like, oh, it could have been a lot worse, but it was, it was very uh, gnarly day.
0: Guy, that that's the most gnarly story I've ever heard or could absolutely (laughs) imagine like out of this world. And I can't believe that you were able to save your water housing and the surfboard. That, that part alone is, is absolutely incredible. And you saved yourself, and that is about as near death as it comes because you you can't really wear a helmet with the um the the hood right
1: I don't think so i'm not I'm not entirely sure I actually had an impact vest on that day, um but it ended up being so bad because when I was getting caught on the inside, I wasn't being able to like penetrate the water as much and swim under. Yeah, I was kind of getting it's... like held at the top, so it it made it like a lot worse um. And because the wetty's a six mil, and I had a thermal on underneath, so it's like a, a lot of rubber. So you like you're already floating a bit. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe a helmet <laughs> helmet next time. Well, I'll just like from I, there. I just say
0: that because you could have hit got hit in the head with your housing while all that the longboard could have hit you. Like so many bad things could have gone wrong. You made it back just in time, and it's it's just one of those most incredible epic stories. And thank you for telling it to us. It's um, you know, anyone listening in the future or c- can just take so much from it. Uh, th- what what was that relief like when you made it to land?
1: Yeah, I think I was actually like, um, I was so stoked that I'd made it to land, and I think you see it in the film. I have a big release, and I'm just, you know, I think I say I'm so depleted. I'm so depleted, but I, I really was. They, they they're tears cool. of and joy.
0: Think- they they look like you were just so just like you're alive. You're
1: you're there. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely like some points where I I like I remember going. I don't know how to get out of this situation. Like I don't know, and I don't know how this is going to end well. Um, thankfully it did, and it was fine that night. I remember I couldn't sleep because I was so I was obviously pretty jacked on adrenaline, but I was also like so upset with myself that I missed this opportunity to shoot this wave. Like that was what was haunting me that night. Not the near death. It was like you blew this opportunity. And I like couldn't sleep for like three days because, and Spenny had done such a good job shooting land. He got like these craziest clips. And I think it was like, you know, part of my ego just going, Oh, you, I remember going like, Oh, Burkhardt or like Jimmy Chin or like all these guys that look up, they wouldn't have fucked that up, you know? And I was just like being so hard on myself. Um, And looking back, I'm so glad like it happened because I've learned so much from that particular experience. Like, from you know life perspective and also just like a shooting perspective um and like going back to that wave we didn't get it again as quite as good but definitely like just learning and i think that's what i took from this i'm still learning so much like we're all anyone shooting water i'm sure you've had it some days like just isn't your day and that particular day wasn't my day so it was just like i think accepting that and i was just so bummed i was like i know the shot's we could have got that day from water like it was pretty unbelievable wave and just knowing like when i was getting smoked on the inside the boys are getting like pulling into some pretty wild tubes so that was that was like just as heartbreaking as like well as anything for me because the whole trip was you know let's get these epic shots of waves that have never been surfed and then coming away from that i was just so so bummed with myself
0: so you
1: then go back
0: to the same situation and shoot water again is is, that's how that happened right because the the final part of the trip is like oh we're going back there we're we're gonna try to relive that situation because you you have this fire in you that you want to take these shots and you go back there how was it going back to the scene of the crime like what were you just like oh i am i'm on this i'm i'm doing this and did you shoot from the board again
1: yeah, so we had two two trips there from that. The next one, we actually brought a rubber ducky so we could take a boat out from the beach. So we put that in the helicopter, which was a massive help because it was a big swim. Um, the final time, so we shot off the boat that day, Spenny and I, and then the final time we didn't have the boat and I swum out and it was, it was so big this day and it was windy and scary. But yeah, that was kind of my like I don't want to say redemption because we didn't get like the shot we were chasing, but it was it was so nice um just being out there and there was a like when the wind swung in the oven and it went clean for like 20 minutes and it was some of the most like crazy beautiful waves i've ever seen like full couldn't paddle into them there was no way the boys could get in but it was just like the double ups slabs that were like hitting backwash and just throwing um and i was pretty close to the action so that was really cool and definitely like a um I had a change lens, I had my 50 mil on so I could get a bit closer. So it was just like, oh wow, this is special to be out here. But still like extremely scary. But just like knowing not where to sit, where it was safe, where it wasn't. Um yeah, it's definitely like I think leaving we were like, ah, we were so close to like scoring that way. We did score it, but it was like I don't think anyone got like the one that we were after.
0: were you able to name that? that spot since you were the first people to surf it and if so what what did you name it
1: yeah we called it um Chibaraski, which was like a it's like a um animated kids like tv show there's a bear called the Chibaraska bear um and fraser's surfboards had a lot of these different russian kind of pictures and drawings and animations on them um on the boards and when we got to to Kamchatka, Anton saw one of Fraser's boards and was like, what the hell? You've got the Chiburuska bear. Like, I don't I don't know what um, animations you guys have growing up, but it'd be like a famous, you know, kid's toy. Um, so they were all like so pumped that he had this picture of this bear on his board. Um, and they called us the Chiburuski gang, like <laughs> the four of us. So when we um, we named that way, Chib- the Chiburuska. So Anton, I think Anton's been back since to try and surf it. And he's, yeah. The name stuck.
0: <laughs> has he has he found it in a better condition condition it since he's he's there? Has he seen this thing do what you guys wanted it to do?
1: No, I think when he went back it was pretty um pretty rogue. You need like perfect conditions. Like the Yeah, we yeah. Hopefully someone scores it one day because it could on its day it'd be perfect. It really would. It's an incredible wave
0: how many situations as far as the coastline uh do you foresee are might also be like that or is that kind of like the one gem based on the headlands and the the rocks and stuff or do you see a lot of potential with um other spots you know because you you did a lot of flying on that coast
1: we actually didn't do that much flying to be honest like there's it's I'd say 700 miles of coastline that's never been explored. So there is like so much untouched land and ocean. Like it's, it's insane. So I don't even think we scratched the surface, to be honest. I reckon there would be so many incredible waves there. It's just accessibility is your biggest thing. Cause yeah, you need a helicopter, even if you've got like a snowmobile or like quad bike or full drive, a lot of the land is military owned. So you can't actually access the land and get to the coastline. So it's expensive to find waves there, but they' they'd definitely be world class waves a hundred percent all up and down that coastline. It's just being there on the right day and being lucky.
0: well, as you guys are like uh, Columbus discovering America, do you um uh, would you uh, report back to the common folk uh, surfer community here across the world and say, hey, um, uh, get give my boys up there a call and uh, and and try it out? Is this something that you would you would recommend to? to to those who um might want to try what you did
1: 100 percent. we said that we were like if someone wants to go here we'll tell them tell them where it is buy them beers if they score it you know um yeah go for it like you know we've been so inspired by the people that have come before us to do these missions so if we can inspire you know a group of surfers or cinematographers photographers we'd be stoked to to show you guys where the wave is and help you out on your journeys
0: that's, that's so nice of you. What a spirit. Uh, what is the, um, you're going into a new year. Um, do you, what are, what are your personal uh, goals with your art?
1: That's a great question. I think, um, yeah, I just want to keep, keep exploring, to be honest. Like I really, really enjoyed being in Yosemite. Um, like I mentioned before, me and my mate Justin, we're going to go and do some um, rock climbing, try to get some pretty big, big walls done. Um, I love being in the mountains. I love being in the ocean. So it's a mix of, for me, it's like if I can do a mountaineering, rock climbing and and surf stuff, that's kind of where I want to be. Um, I do a bit of work with a, a climbing company um, who do like mountaineering stuff. So might have a few trips with them in the works. Um, and then just being at home in Avalon where I live, it's it's pretty beautiful here. So just enjoying that while I'm home. But yeah, I'd say I'll be back in the states in April to do some rock climbing. Um, I'll be in Indo again next year. Hopefully, see you there, mate. <laughs> let's let's go. And then, let's um, do it. Yeah, let's do it. We'll get a boys' boat trip in the Mentawais,
0: bro. I'm I'm putting it on my bucket list for 2024. Do it for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome
0: what are what are the far-flung regions of the world that you that you kind of have your eye on maybe a, a, a couple Do, are they all cold or are you are you looking at more um, you know is there anything in South America or Africa what, what are you you know maybe even in the Mediterranean uh, what, what are you uh, kind of looking at?
1: Yeah, I think for us we, we love the cold, we love those like I said, like we love the mountains, we love snow. We love that kind of environment. So I think we're definitely drawn to that kind of space. Um, And not many people have explored those areas. There's only a handful of, you know, groups that go and do these these cold water trips. So there's definitely more to explore in those places. Unfortunately, like a lot of Indo has been explored by the, you know, the people before us in the early or the 70s, 60s, 80s, 90s, all those years where they just discovered, you know, the most perfect waves that you can wear board shorts in. We're kind of doing the opposite, least perfect in really cold waves. Um, But that's what gets us excited. You know, we love planning and doing these trips. So we've definitely got some stuff in the works. Um, We all needed a little bit of time off after this project. Um, Spenny's in Indo right now, getting getting a fix of some warm water. I just, like I said, me and my girlfriend Emily did a trip in Bali for two months, (laughs) just to thaw out. Um, But yeah, we definitely got some stuff in the works. I think halfway through next year, We'll start kind of really, really um, putting our foot down on the pedal and, and planning it and trying to get a trip done by the end of next year to somewhere cold again.
0: Lo- lovely. Are you thinking even maybe in uh, in Canada?
1: Canada would be awesome. I think Canada and Alaska would have so much potential. Um, there's so many places. We're, we've been looking down at Antarctica too, just trying to see if there's anything there, but it's definitely – Again, it's like a hard climate, very expensive, and there's a good chance that you might not get any waves. So, we're just trying to. There's a few um, names we've got on the on the list at the moment that we're looking at, and we're just again, you just got to do a lot of um, lot of research into swell and weather and accessibility and all that stuff. But we've definitely got a, a bucket list of places.
0: Well, I I can't wait to see what you guys come up with, and I know it's pretty top secret, so we're not trying to dig dig any deeper there uh before we wrap up i want to kind of ask you a few macro questions uh philosophically what is the kind of water that uh the aesthetic that that you really like when you see this water you're like wow your heart just feathers um i'm I'm thinking lighting i'm thinking color i'm thinking um texture give it to us
1: okay i love a light offshore first thing in the morning maybe like a greenish tinge to the water. Um, sun's just coming up and you've got like a surfer like high lining and you just got them as a silhouette with the just the top of the wave is like this nice huey green. And then you've got the golden kind of offshore coming off the back. That's kind of my, my dream shots. I love shooting in like first light and last light just cause you've got that golden hour and you know, the spray will go gold and you get those like nice little textured rainbows that's kind of my favorite stuff to shoot in or just anything really moody. It's either that or like really stormy and windy and, and dark. I think for me, light like, like all, lighting is everything, you know, it's everything. So it's like picking those moments where the light's going to be good, whether it's first light, last light, if there's a storm coming and you've got like, like dark moody um, clouds in the background, like the lights just about to fade. Um, yeah, for me, it's all about chasing light. But and ocean, yeah, I guess I love all, all different types of ocean. Everything, every ocean has something to deliver and teach you. You know, I think. And you don't know what you're ever gonna like. You're never gonna take the same picture of the same wave. It's always changing, which is which is awesome. Dude, it's it's so
0: epic. You say that I was doing a class. uh the other day for these third graders and my, my biggest message to them was like, kids, you know how you each are so unique, you know how there's never another one of you in the world like there is like there's lots of kids but there's not the same kid like yourself. That is just the same way that the the moment is when you're taking a picture that sunrise is never going to be the same sunrise, you, even if you go back to that same spot every day, the sunrise is always going to be different the way the wave hits that sun is going to be different and I, I believe that is like the beauty of of this photography thing is the the, the infinite. like you could try to take the same picture over and over again, but no matter how hard you try, it's it's always going to be different.
1: hundred percent. I think that's what like keeps drawing us back to it because you have these moments where it's like, oh my God, it's nearly the perfect light or it's nearly the perfect photo, and it's not. but you're always like, you know, I think for me it's like be aware. Of the present moment and it's okay to also be chasing more you know but not chasing so much that you're not being in that moment i think that's a big one for me but you're so right in saying that like every moment in the ocean is different i, I saw it on your instagram you teaching those kids i think i got super psyched on that that was really cool dude did really you see cool. how
0: they were all lined up to even just like look <laughs> through the, the the shutter i was just it, it, i didn't I, I didn't know how they were gonna be but like they were so stoked just to hear that click they weren't even in the water so i put a picture of 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 a like a wave on the screen so they could like look through it and see a wave yeah it was it was a great moment um what, what that's do you awesome, have dude. bro yeah sick what 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 do you have to say to the the youth to those who who want to possibly pick up a camera and shoot water uh, give us a word of advice
1: yeah i'd say just go for it like that's what what i did and I, I'm, like a lot of people like um I didn't study photography or anything like that. It's like Um, self-taught. For me, it came from just loving nature. So whatever, you know, your passion is, what you like shooting for us, it was the ocean. Um, If it's street art, portraits, whatever, you know, just just do it and just jump in. Um, Watch lots of YouTube videos, learn, don't be afraid to fail. I think that's the biggest one. It's been my biggest thing. It's like, it's the most growth will happen when you fail. And like, I'm sure... I fail all the time. I'm sure you do too, but it's like where we learn the most as a person, as a photographer. So if you want to do it, go for it. Like we have, you know, thankfully I've had a lot of great opportunities and a lot of good people in my corner to help me on this journey. Um, But you've also kind of got to make your own luck sometimes. And whether that's hustling or reaching out to a person and asking a question, don't be afraid to do that. Um, Online courses are great, but just, just step into it. Yeah. I had a, From that moment, I said, I want to be a photographer. I set myself a five year goal. Um, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to give myself five years and really have a, have a nudge at this thing. So, you know, don't go in half-heartedly and just ask for help when you can tell people your dreams. Um, yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to share your dreams and people probably try and bring you down, but just keep chasing.
0: And I'm sure just as many people will try to bring you up and, uh, uh, I know mm-hmm. you, you've brought me up this uh, this podcast, and I'm sure going into the future, you're going to bring infinite amounts of people up. Last question: what What is uh, your your um, what is the meaning of life from Guy's perspective?
1: Oh, far out! That's a big one. <laughs> um, the meaning of life. I don't want to say like happiness because I don't think it's entirely true but i think maybe purpose like finding your purpose um is a really big one and just yeah i think finding your purpose what you love doing who you love being around for me and and you it's capturing you know moments in nature and that's what inspires me um and just to enjoy the journey There's going to be for me there's been lots of ups lots of downs and um that's all part of it but that's a hard question isn't it far out just enjoy the ride, I think. Find some purpose, find love, find awesome community. I'm very fortunate to have a lot of those things in my life. So that brings me a lot of purpose and joy. Um, but, yeah, just enjoy the roller coaster. And I think, like, I heard this saying and it said, like, if you're on your, your deathbed at the end of your time and you had your ghost of, you know, what you could have been come to you, you know, would you regret a lot of things in your life, you know? So I was like, Oh, okay. What would be the things that I'd regret not doing? And a lot for me is like fear of failure or fear of what people think. So at the moment I'm really trying to step into that and just go, you know what? This is my life. Be the, be the hero in your own journey. So <laughs> that's all I got.
0: <laughs> Guy, I got goosebumps, man. Like uh, I, th- that, that, what you just laid out is, is what, you know, fuels myself and I, I'm sure a lot of people listening is just put yourself in the future. You, you want to say to yourself at that end moment, cause we all, we're all going to meet the end. No regrets. We, we, we did it. Mm-hmm. We played hard and, and guy, thank you. Thank you so much for taking this time, this hour and a half to spent with us, giving us just the knowledge that, that you've dropped is invaluable. And um, Guy Wilment, like, honors to you. I cannot wait to see what you do in the future. I cannot wait to have you back on this podcast in the future to tell us what you've done. Uh, this has been episode 25, Speaking from Water.
1: I am Sean Rutke.
0: Guy Wilment, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Sean. That was, um, I really enjoyed meeting you for the first time probably and keep doing what you're doing. It's so cool to see online and how much you're inspiring people. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to chat again and keep doing your thing, brother, but yeah, it's been awesome chatting. Yeah, dude. Next time you're on the East
0: coast, come visit us in uh, Wrightsville beach, North Carolina. And, uh, we'll, we'll make you some shrimp and grits. We'll show you our, <laughs> our, 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 beach breaks and, uh, we'll, Sounds get, it, awesome. we'll get it done. But, um,
1: yeah, and respect, we'll try. Um, we'll try organize a, We'll try organize an Indo trip at some point in the future.
0: Uh, I would be honored to share that time with you.
1: Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for having having us, and um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll check you later. Hey, 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 guys! Happy Thanksgiving. Give thanks. Oh, guy, are you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm here.
0: La- last thing um do you celebrate thanksgiving in australia uh, my kids asked me that and i was like i don't think they do i think that's more of an american holiday but uh is there is there something in australia like thanksgiving
1: we don't have thanksgiving which is a bummer because everyone when emily and i were there last week everyone was just so excited to be going to thanksgiving so we're like we need to get something going at home we were saying we'll just create our own little thanksgiving so but it no will- we don't have it to answer the question yeah, dude, I do a little celebration of Anzac
0: Day. So, like, you guys can just start up your own uh, Thanksgiving. I eat the turkey and the po- potatoes and the stuffing and all that. So, um, respect to you tonight. Have a great Friday morning when you wake up. And um, uh, much respect, sir.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. All
0: right, guy. Check you later, bro.
1: See you, brother. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, dude. We'll, we'll talk in the future.